Welcome back to season nine of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm your guest host, Latia Frazier, and along for the ride will be my ableist sidekick, Josiah Jones. Listen now for honest conversations about disability in the church. Enjoy the episode. Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, we are getting to hang out with my friend Rachel. So thanks, Rachel, for agreeing to have a conversation with me. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are? Sure. So my name is Rachel, and I uh, was born with a disability that affects my ability to walk. Um, but I have been really involved in like the movement of disability culture and disability awareness. Um, I work at an agency that serves people with developmental disabilities. Just because of my personal experience, I wanted to give back and show people that um, I can relate with what they're going through. Um, I come from a big family, and I don't know what else you want to know. I have, good. Go I don't know. I have one because you already know the answer to Latia. I don't. Where do you live? Where are you? So I currently live in Lake of the Ozarks. Lake of the Ozarks. Okay. Good. So it's in Missouri. Misery. Misery. <laughs> Can't help yourself. You gotta <laughs> misery. Misery. <laughs> yes. Um, I know we've known each other for a long time. I'm trying to really remember how long it's been, but I couldn't remember it. But a while. Yeah, I'm thinking like probably 2006 ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a good while. Um, because I know who you are. Uh, and this is a podcast, so we're not seeing, you know, they're not seeing who you are. Can you, like, explain how you navigate in the world? Sure. So, um, again, I am someone with a physical disability. I use a manual wheelchair for mobility. Um, so that's how I get around. I'm able to climb in and out of my wheelchair as I need. Um, my, I'm pretty strong when it comes to, like, moving myself and transporting um, I'm also pretty independent. I drive my own car with hand controls and basically live what we call a normal life and do every day, but just from a sitting position. All right. And a quick question, just because, you know, we like to, or I like to be, uh, you know, make sure we're using the right terminology in terms of disability culture. What, uh, what language issues do you use in terms of people first or um, identity first or anywhere in between there? What would you say? So at one time I was definitely more person first and I'm still that way, but I, I, I lean more towards the middle of both because um, I don't really get offended unless I know someone's like rudely asking or rudely commenting when they don't know who I am, that's when I have a real problem. But if you're just generically talking and you're not educated or whatnot, I don't really get offended. But I think it's a very important that people understand what the difference is and what the different perspectives are. Anyway. I know that there. this is a whole... I, every time we have a guest, I'm learning about this almost like internal debate, right? Like identity versus person and... It just now I'm nervous to talk to 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 someone with disabilities. So please tell me, like, how do <laughs> I even? Made you like, nervous? <laughs> yeah, what do I even do? So let's just say I meet you on the street, Rachel. Like, hello. Like, 
address the disability, don't address the disability. Like, what what am I even doing in a situation? Coming in cold, I don't know a person. What am I doing? So when you first meet me, I would rather you see me as a person, but it's kind of hard to dis kind of it's kind of hard to ignore the fact that I sit in a wheelchair. But I mean, and like if people are polite about it and uh, and have questions or you know curious about my disability and how things work i don't have a problem with people politely coming up to me and asking me general questions i'm very open about it but if you're if you if you're being rude about it and i know you're being rude about it i will tell you that this is not the time or place to talk or ask questions uh, whether i'm rude or not i might have control over but we had a, a previous guest in the conversation went to what about my children Right. And so that becomes a whole other next level thing, because it seems like it maybe it's the same for you. I've, I've heard from our previous guests. There's more grace with children because they're naturally inquisitive. Definitely. So, you know, one of the best examples that I can think of, and I know Latia has been there, too. You know, I could be going through Walmart and some little kid is running around close to their parents and they'll point at my chair or they'll just point at me to, to show that they notice a difference and they'll want to either come up to me and say hi or ask me a question and their parent just kind of pulls them away. For me, as someone with a disability, I would rather that kid point and come ask me a question than having their parent not drag them away but pull them away because it's a lack of education and then they grow up thinking, oh, well, we can't talk to them and that's not the case at all. I mean, the worst I'm going to tell someone, you know, what they're the worst I'm going to tell someone being adult is like, this is not the time or place, but if you're a little kid, I'm definitely going to try to educate you in terms that they will understand. And if they have more questions, I feel um, I'm open to answering them. So, so I guess don't make eat their vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't make a taboo out of it. But that's another thread. Latia, I've heard, and I've heard this from some of our other guests. Once you like are close and become friends, then they make jokes to make you uncomfortable. But like the jokes are about their own disabilities and like can i even laugh at that latia you are torturing me right now <laughs> i will speak for latia even though she can answer this yes once we get to know you we don't have a problem like i my friends at work we joke about it all the time but it's one of those things you have to get to know us before you can like make a joke and most of the time even if you don't know me that well and if you make a joke i'm not gonna like be offended because again they're uneducated but Depending on what the joke is, I should say that. Depending on what the joke is, I typically don't get offended because I know someone isn't an, or someone isn't educated. But like I throw jokes all the time about my disability and my coworkers and my boss, they just shake their head at me. <laughs> like there's something else. So Yeah, I know that because when Rachel and I are together and having fun or whatever, like there's not I can't do two things at once. Like literally, if I start laughing. I can't walk in there. It's really bad. I mean, and it makes me think of this time at my agency and like, I love the people that I work with. They all get, they've got to know me. I've been there for almost six, seven years now. And I can recall a time that we were having a team meeting in one of our buildings. And I went to go push myself across the floor because I was going from one part of the building to where everybody was meeting. Well, this building has concrete and carpet, and when you get to the carpet, if it has that little lip um, to transfer or that you bump that you have to go over, well, most people who walk, they just walk over it. Me, I usually have to slow my chair down so my front wheels don't hit it far, and then I fall. I didn't, I did not catch myself fast enough, 
So I literally fell out of my wheelchair in this in my place of work. And because by this time, my coworkers and my boss knew me so much, they all just turned their head, laughed at me, and went back to their business. They knew that. Oh, oh my gosh. That, okay. Good to know. Noted. Noted. Well, well yeah, so here's the question that I know you've gotten a million times because I have. But um, just because a lot of our, our listeners will be folks who are in the church or, you know, who care about this thing. If you were, if for some reason somebody was able to make like a magic pill or somebody came up to you in, in a Walmart, which has happened, or in church and said, hey, would you, would you either take the pill or would you be prayed for for healing? What would, what's kind of your feeling about that? So if someone asked me if I wanted a magic pill, I would politely decline. And this is something that we've actually, that I've actually talked to my life group with at my church. Um, we were giving testimonies a few weeks ago. And part of my testimony was, you know, I respect people that ask me about my disability. And I've respected people that have come up to me randomly and saying, you know, that they will pray for my healing. But I also vocalized and respectfully said to my life group, if you want to respect the person with a disability or me at the time, because that's that I was talking about myself, I was like, you will respect my wishes and not pray for my healing because it's not what I want. You know, I my own personal belief is my Lord and Savior made me this way for a reason. And if I didn't have my disability, I wouldn't know crazy people like Latia and the rest of the people that I know that I've gotten because of my disability. Yeah. And then just to know, um, that sometimes even folks with disabilities use ableist language. So if we're not careful, we use words like crazy. Um, when when she really means really creative people like me, just so that we so that we note that that we also have to be mindful of our language too. Yeah. Right. All right. I'm wondering, uh, because and we talked about this a little bit with other guests too, that because you are a person who was born with your disability, as opposed to someone who acquired their disability at some other point in their life, in what ways has your, like thinking about growing up as a kid and a teenager and that kind of stuff, having a disability kind of impacted your, your sense of body image or image of yourself? So, I guess I could say like when I was younger and trying to figure out who I was because I was still a human being and we all go through that stage whether we have a disability or not. Um, I would say that, I don't know if I would say I was ashamed, but I also can't say that I was like thrilled with having a disability, so to speak, because I knew I was different from everybody else. Um, as I grew up and got older and matured, I've, I've come to realize it's the biggest blessing that I have in my life other than, you know, family and friends. Can you say more about that in terms of only because in terms of disability theology, which I'm not sure how much you know about that, but we'll talk about that a little bit. But part of what this, what we try to kind of debunk some of the myths around, some people will say, oh, God gave you your disability. It's a blessing to you. Um, and my often response to that is then everybody should have a disability if it's a blessing. Um, and, and I don't believe that everybody does. 
So can you explain what you mean when you say it's a blessing? Sure. So I guess with me saying that I feel like it's a blessing, I think is because, again, it kind of goes back to me answering um, about the pill or a healing process for me with my disability. I feel like if I didn't have my disability, I probably wouldn't know half the people or most of the people that I have in my life who are a big blessing to me. Um, I couldn't imagine my life with almost all those people. Some of them I maybe could have politely passed on the way. (laughs) But but for the most part, um, with my disability comes the greatest blessings of uh, close friends and family and a great support system who has backed me up my the last 30 something years of my life. And that makes me think about, uh, because I've talked about this too, that like, obviously disability, disabilities are the, the conditions that folks have, but also this community, like it's a culture of people. Can you talk a little bit more about that and like what that means to you, even what that is? Because I don't think a lot of people understand that it's like more than the fact that you have spina bifida and I have cerebral palsy. Sure. So um, as far as like the disability community, um, it's probably, well, it's not probably, it is the biggest community of minorities, you know, within the states. And, you know, we all have our differences and we all have our different perspectives. But at the same time, I feel like personally, at the end of the day, you know, it's one of the best minority groups you can be a part of because we all get it. And, and I don't know how else to put that into words other than, other than the fact that we get it and we tend to be there for each other. So an example, and I don't know, Latia, if you've talked about the program on your podcast. but No, I haven't. Um, but so Latia and I are part of uh, a youth leadership program for students with disabilities. And they come from all over the state of Missouri. And they you know they see challenges like most people and things like that and they don't know who to t- turn to so to speak because either they have a lack of resources in their communities or they just don't know so or they're the only person that they know of that has a disability correct but coming through our program which is held in columbia missouri um, they get to meet a variety of students and adults with disabilities and get to share their perspectives and see that they have you know similarities with people that understand and it's probably one of the we are probably one of the biggest support systems for them that they can't find anywhere else mm-hmm. i don't know if that answers your question but no it does so rachel unlike um uh, i think all of the ones to this point um does not hold like a ministry position in a traditional sense i think that what she does for her job is ministry right so all of us are called to something um and and her ministry is working with folks with uh different disabilities uh helping them to get the resources they need within the community um so but i wanted to talk to rachel about it because she goes to church and uh the the reason why rachel came to mind to me was because i know um they're trying to do some stuff at her church regretting reaching out to the disability community. And I know that that's like one of the questions that folks have um, in terms of, well, what do we do? And so can you talk a little bit about kind of those conversations you've had with your pastor or leadership team and kind of what sparked that? 
Sure. So I will, let me give a little backstory if that's okay. Um, sure. a, a personal backstory. So um, I grew up with a family and parents that believed in our Lord and Savior. However, I did not go to church on a regular basis. Um, I ju- we just didn't go. And I don't really know why I have some background information on that, but I've never really like discussed it with my parents. But aside from that, they always, you know, taught us that we have a Lord and Savior and he's there, you know, through your hard times and through your joyous times and you can rely on him. Um, Speeding up to today, I got into church a little bit more for a few reasons. Um, My youngest sister, who knew right away she was being called to get baptized and she made a decision at a very young age to get baptized so um i got to witness that and her oldest brother baptized her so um that was really cool the other part of me kind of jumping well i shouldn't say jumping but getting more involved with churches um my significant other he was raised in the church and he went to church on a regular basis and i knew this about him and to respect his wishes you know um and to respect his perspectives, you know, I we started going to church together. Mind you, we've only lived together for about a year and a half now. But it's something that he wanted to do as soon as we moved in together. And I was open to the to the uh, to the option, or you know, in trying. And, and and not that I really had anything against going to church. I just never went because I, you know we didn't go on a regular basis. And it also goes back to you know. What what we talked about earlier, Latia, is having random come having random people come up to you and saying, "Let me pray for your healing." When I knew for myself, that's not what I wanted. So those kind of things put me off on going to church because I did not want to get, excuse the term, but but, but bombarded by church members saying, "Let me pray for you." And I know that's probably a really probably prayer bomb is what I call it. <laughs> I, I, and I don't, I, I try not to be judgmental because I don't want to judge like every church and everybody that goes to church that are going to be like that. Cause I know they're not, especially now that I'm like back going into church. But at the same time, you know, that was the big turnoff for me is like, I don't want to go into white church or several churches and have people come up and say, let me pray for you. And I mean, on, on, in my heart, I know that they mean it out of that goodness of their heart. And I respect that. But again, like I said earlier, if you respect me, you're going to respect the fact that I don't want prayer for healing. No. So. Aside from that, um, my significant other and I started looking for churches here in Lake of the Ozarks. Um, my sister, my youngest sister who got baptized, um, actually lived with me for a little while here in Lake of the Ozarks and she wanted to go to church. So it actually kind of started with her, um, and to be like a mentor towards her and to get her, you know, out and doing things. I started going to church with her. So when she moved, I kind of fell out of it because I'm also like, I don't like going to different places. And this is going to sound bad and I have all it is, but I also don't like going to places, but specifically at church by yourself, because when I feel like you're just going to get bombarded and I'm just like, <laughs> you feel awkward and weird, especially when you have a disability. And I'm just like, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> so I kind of quit for a while, but um, then my significant other moved in with me and I knew church was going to be something he wanted to do and I respected that of him and like I said I don't have anything against 
our Lord and Savior. I know he's gotten me and blessed me in so many ways, but I just had to kind of get back into the idea of going to church. So we went to a couple, I think I took him to a couple, but we actually ended up at the church that my sister and I went to on a regular basis. Um, so we started going there and um, ironically, his boss goes to our church and his boss and his wife are um, group leaders of the church. And so when we got into life groups, his church, his boss invited us automatically to be in his life group. And so we started attending the life group and we go every week and we also do church on Sundays and any other, and we try to go to other events that the church is going on. Um, so. So where did the, like, <clears throat> wanting to reach out to folks with disabilities. So, as soon as I, I apologize. I know I'm no, getting off. No, 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 you're, you're good. Question, you're good. <laughs> uh, so once we started getting more involved with our church, you know, they, um, and saw, and between me and a few other people that I know that attend the church that are in the disability realm, um, they, the, I'm, I'm assuming definitely our pastor and the other pastors within our church, and I'm probably assuming the board probably sat down. And one of their goals for 2023 is to reach out more to families and individuals with disabilities. And like I said, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or, you know, you know, give myself the, the, the props to, to being the start of this. But at the same time, like, I think I had a little bit of, you know, input in this because they saw that I was coming to church and they, I think they realized that this was the disability community was one of those communities that they haven't really reached out to. And I think, you know, the question was why or why not? And so, um, once they made that decision, a staff member came to me from our church and, um, we met outside of church. Um, and she just asked, she's like, would you be interested in being part of this group? And, you know, kind of taking a lead role in which, and she kind of asked me the same questions that you've been asking me today, you know, um, what's my background in church and da, 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 da. So I was very, Latia, you know, me. I'm pretty honest and open, especially when it comes to my disabilities and, and my perspectives on things. So I was frankly, you know, not blunt, but, you know, respect, respectful and honest with her about how I feel and my my distance from the church and why I didn't go on a regular basis and she understood so. is it mostly because of you were afraid that people were gonna prayer bomb you essentially and essentially yes that was my biggest thing and like and like I said I know they mean well but sometimes I think they forget like that we have our own perspectives and you know I, like I said earlier I feel like he made me this way for a reason, whether it was to educate or, you know, pave the way for the next generation. And Latia, we talk about that all the time. Um, so. In your, in your discussions or considerations to go back to a church, was it ever on the table to go to a church that had a disabled pastor on staff? Was that ever a thing that was up for discussion or a, a, a focus or a desire? So not for me personally, but with that question made me think of a pastor who I would love to meet and Latia already probably knows who I'm going to say. And I can't uh, pronounce his last name, but his first name is Nick. I think he's That's awesome. Nick V. It's Nick Wojcic, yeah. but I'm probably yeah. saying his last name. So it's a, <laughs> right. I it's think the, a guy without um, 
on his legs. Yeah. So um, I think he's a fantastic spe- a speaker and a, a fantastic pastor just because I've listened to him a couple of times. And um, people from our church here at the lake, they actually know who I'm talking about when I mention his name. So I think that's kind of cool, too. <laughs> He's not, uh, he does like more public speaking and like yeah, evangelistical motivational stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But did you even think uh, like that? Did that even, I don't know, come into your mind that, that there could be a disabled pastor or that you would encounter that? Well, I knew there could be because I know you. But... <laughs> But, but in all seriousness, when I was thinking about going back to church, I mean, that was not one, I don't know what you want to call it, factor qualification um, that I was thinking about. Like, as long as the pastor was open and, you know, open-minded and considered my thoughts and, you know, because, you know, some of my thoughts are probably not what, no offense to any churches, but my, some of my thoughts may not be the same as the church and I think it's just because of my perspective of a person with a disability and like I said I don't mean any disrespect by it but it's just my perspective and who I am are there any other ones besides the fact of being prayed for that are like that focus around your disability that you were afraid of in terms of going back to church um I don't think so. Um, just the fact of people wanting to pray for me. And again, I know they mean it out of the goodness of their heart. But again, that's something that I that I didn't want. But not only that, and I don't think this was like a barrier or anything for me going back to church. But I also, I guess it's because of who I am and the type of programs that you, uh, that you, that let's see you and I do and stuff like that. And because within my work, and because I live in Lake of the Ozarks, and we all know how that experience can go, um, I knew that there was probably going to be a lack of education. And I'm not judging because I know it's hard to 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 be in you know the disability realm if you don't know, you don't know, and that's fine. But I guess I was also kind of worried, like if I started going back to church, you know, or one or, or just, I was worried about the praying thing too. Are people going to respect me as a person? with my opinions and my insights and my perspectives and two are they going to listen to what I have to say as far as my perspectives and things like that um because we all know well we both know I can't speak well, there's that. a there's a thing that if you have uh a disability any kind of disability that you don't have thoughts and opinions and right you know so yeah and so and when that when that person with the disability speaks for the first time and gives that opinion people are a little blown away by it but i'm just like just because we can't do something with our body or even talk for that matter because i think of our nonverbal friends you know or people with disabilities that can't speak they still have opinions you just gotta find a different way to communicate <laughs> what do you think that they, your church is either ha- like what your church has done already for you or like hopes to do in order to reach out to the disability community? Like what is would be welcoming to you or to anybody or accessible, those sorts of things? Um, first, I think just having an open mind. And I love the fact that my pastor and the other pastors at our church have an open mind to discuss 
you know, the disability community or, you know, getting them involved and things like that, um, to opening mind and open ears and being willing to listen to what we have to say as far as a community and things like that. Um, and not being afraid to ask questions, you know, aside from getting, aside from my pastor and staff, you know, wanting to talk to me, I've also talked to another board member who is on the board um, a while ago. And he asked me, you know, questions about like ADA and how we can make the church more accessible. So when it comes to like accessibility and Latio will understand that I think of accessibility in different forms just because we all know it. We all know it. And I just mean like we and the disability community, we all know it as in different ways and different um, perspectives. So when I have someone from the church board coming to me and wanting to talk about ADA, you know, compliances and making sure things are accessible physically, that's a plus for me. But when I also have a pastor and staff from the church coming to me on how we can like do programs to make things more accessible for children or for other adults with disabilities, you know, that's also a plus because it's two types of accessibility. You know, you want to make sure they physically can get into the building, but you also want to make sure that they can also, you know, participate in programs and things like that. Um, another perspective is, you know, I have a gentleman in my life group and we were talking, just talking at life group the other night. And he asked my significant other because my significant other is on the ushering team. Um, so he helps seats people. And our our friend in our life group was asking him, you know, what's the protocol as for a security at, you know, the the church or at our church? And, you know, my significant other was really, you know, there's really not much. And our friend, he kind of works on security. And so he's like, he, he got the idea to maybe talk to, you know, our life group leaders or a pastor about it, seeing how we can make things more um, secure and stuff. And that automatically turned my brain to kick on. And I'm like, you know, I told him, I was like, I know you were coming from it, coming with this idea from a different perspective, but you just made my brain kick on. And I'm like, if you would like, I'd like to sit down with you and maybe talk to our pastor again, because my mind went to, okay, if we have an emergency inside the church, how are people with disabilities going to get in or out? You know, who's going to be there and who's going to help them? And the other part and thing is about it too, and Latia, I know you know this, is that when it comes to frantic or emergencies, people want to move, rush, rush, rush real quick, which, yes, that's good. That's the plan. But it's also just assumed that people can just pick up or whatever and take a person with a disability by their hand and just make them move. That is not a good process. You have to sit with them and see what works best for them so you're not injuring yourself or injuring them you know, because that could happen at the middle of anywhere. Let's see, because you're you you may you may think you're helping, but you're really just making it worse because you don't you're not communicating with that person and seeing what actually is going to work best to help them get out or in. That's good. I have, I hadn't even thought about emergency procedures, uh, and I, I, because I know you, but we can edit this out if you don't like it. Um, thinking about because I know you were talking about baptism, and I know we had a discussion about. Uh, like to make sure you were comfortable with that did they t in terms of accessibility did they have conversations with you about how that would happen because you did immersion right like they dumped you in the actually I haven't had that step yet okay we have talked about it and your friend has been 
lacking in that department. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'll dunk you. You want me to go? <laughs> no, I'll I, think about bringing you back up. <laughs> like no, and I, I, I know, and I, as depending on who you talk to, like I know it's a process in 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 the step of you know accepting our Lord and Savior and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I, I'm thinking in terms of, I mean, yes, I shouldn't say no, 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 yes. <laughs> I was thinking in terms of accessibility. That they right. About how that goes. and so. Because I haven't made that step yet. Um, so we, I haven't really talked to my pastor about that yet. But I went to our last baptism night. And basically, they used to do it like in a big like pool area. And, and baptize people that way. But our pastor now, who was a different pastor from before. The last time that they, he baptized people was they took like a, a um I don't want to call it a bathtub but like a you know <laughs> one, of, one of those like metal pans that you know if you had like a wash I forget what it's called but like you oh, wash like a basin yeah you basically that's what he used and so people would just walk into it and like kneel down and then he would baptize them so if it's something like that, I Latia, you know me, I probably wouldn't have an issue with that. My issue would probably be getting onto the stage, but you also know me, I would probably just climb up this crawl up the stairs or whatever and, you know, just let him do it. So Yeah. Did you have a question just so I couldn't tell if you were like reading or like just listening? Oh no. Well, I, I was trying to chime in with the whole yeah, I wanted to know the mechanism of bap like you have to how are we physically doing it? That I was just gonna chime in with some of that stuff because like, oh wait, we're gonna get talk we're you talking about theology or are we talking about literally the physical possibility yeah, of baptism? Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know how much do you know at all like have you heard the term disability theology and what that means? I've heard of it probably from you and and him. I guess you and I probably did talk about it, but you're gonna have to refresh my memory. So kind of thinking about God in a way that says because like I believe scripture says that Jesus has experienced everything of what it meant to be human. So disability theology says Jesus also understands what it means to have a disability. So we talk about it as in terms of the crucifixion not only being like an act by which, you know, you know, salvation, but, uh, but also the experience of Jesus having a disability and that when he was resurrected and encounters Thomas, he still has like the wounds and stuff that from the crucifixion. So yeah, that's it. So, so understanding that God also has the experience of disability. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to mean anything. I'm just wondering if you. I was going to say, so what's the actual question? I'm sorry. In terms of when you think about God, does your disability inform your faith? Faith 
or shape your faith? Maybe that's the question. And Josiah, if you have a better way to put that, I don't know. It's not, it's not going. <laughs> does, does having a disability influence the way you think about God? Yes. If, as if you could know if it didn't, because you've, this has been the way you've lived your entire life, but you. Right. Yeah. So. No is okay too. And we can edit that part out. <laughs> like, I don't, uh, part of me wants to say, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And the other part of me wants to say no, just because like, I don't know, like the thing that comes to my, to my mind is like, you know, I've expressed with you guys so far that, you know, I don't want a prayer for healing because I am who I am and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I've also expressed to my life group, you know, once we get to heaven or eternity, if, if he decides you know, to heal me then. I'd like to say, like, I'm okay with that, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to, for it to make sense. Like, I am who I am, so I feel like in some ways, if I get healed, I'm gonna lose parts of me, parts of me that are important parts, because I've obviously expressed that here. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I don't mean to say that to offend anybody, but mm -hmm. that's that's just kind of how I see it and how I. Yeah. So, in part, not everybody within the disability community who's a Christian would say this, but there are, and I would be this too, that like whenever we get to heaven, new creation, like I'm still going to have a disability because that is, yeah, an essential part of who I am. And yet, I don't think like, like the pain that I have when it's cold, I don't think I'm going to have pain, but I think I'm going to have dis you know, my disability. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's just how I, like I said, on one hand, I think if I, once I get to, you know, heaven or eternal life, if he wants to heal me, then I, okay. But at the same time, it, I just, I don't know. I don't see that. There's, there's just like a long tenured storied tradition of potentially. I don't know if this is like prosperity gospel or like rooted in charismatic theology or I don't really know. But like, at least from my upbringing, how I would hear disabilities spoken about, it was like, oops, God let one slip through, right? Oops, like God messed up something, right? Like that was always sort of how stuff like that was talked about. And I think that's where a lot of the, the prayer bombing comes from is, oh, shoot, I guess we could pray it away though, because this isn't actually something god wants or or something along the lines like the family send or something and that's why they were given a child with a disability or something like that because some the family did something that was not in god you know honoring god or in god's eyes yeah I some some unforgiven sin do you what do you need yeah. to pray for forgiveness for so you can receive healing so yeah I, I think that's that's the thing i'd be curious about is depending on your upbringing maybe you had some of that weird like oh crap am i some sort of was I was I a mistake? Was I a product of some sin? Am I punishment from God because of yada yada yada? And the punishments in the form of of a disability. It doesn't sound like maybe that was the case for you growing up, but I, I would 
I would say I know people that that's definitely their upbringing and their story. Yeah, and I, I've heard that too, but I honestly can't say that's probably where I'm coming from. I mean, if I really sit here and think about it, I mean, like, because I'm also adopted, so, you know, if I really wanted to dig deep and look into it, like, I could say, well, yeah, that's what happened because my birth parents, you know, didn't honor God, so therefore they were given this child that they couldn't take care of, and so therefore they had to give it away, da-da-da-da-da. But honestly, that's not who I am, and that's not how I was brought up. So, which is why I probably use the bless uh, the word blessing a lot because you know I wasn't just blessed, you know, by my disability by meeting the people that I have in my life, but I was also blessed with a family that loves me and you know adopted me and things like that, which is a whole nother story. But Latia already knows. So. so I think I have two two more questions that I'm thinking about um, because you do have a partner. And as far as I know, I think I'm correct. He does not have a disability, right? Well, I mean, there are days. <laughs> okay, he does not at least identify as someone with a disability. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I will honestly say he doesn't have like a physical disability, but because I like in the realm of like social work and like working with people with disabilities, and I think he's told me before, I think he grew up and went to school with like an IEP. So he may have some like learning, dis- learning disabilities, but like physical disabilities, no. I, I'm just wondering, because I know this is sometimes true, like if you guys are out together somewhere or in the church in this sense, like what that interaction is usually. Ways oh. of, like, yeah. 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 So no, I was gonna say I kind of know where you're going with the, <laughs> without you having to say because I know a lot of the times people just assume the partner is like their caretaker and that's it. So, but with with him and I, I don't think I honestly don't think anybody that has met us or seen us, I don't think that's the case. Um, they see him do well. I say I will say they see him do a lot for me. But what I mean by that is like. If we're going out somewhere, whether he's driving or I'm driving, he usually gets my chair out for me and puts it together for me so I don't have to struggle with it. Like, I don't struggle with it, but you know what I say. So if it's lighter on me, da-da-da-da-da. But I can honestly say everyone that we encounter, I don't, I would assume, I don't think that they've had that impression that he's just my caretaker and not my other half. Um, That might also partially because we already wear rings because we're committed to each other. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what's a good experience you've had in the church? What's a good? I think a lot of people with disabilities can say like they've had a, some negative experiences or don't feel like they even want to go to church because they're afraid of certain things. Right. But since you do go to church, what's a good experience? Yeah. Um, well, one, that's one of the things that I explained to the staff and to my pastors, like, a lot of families and people with disabilities don't come to church because they haven't had good experiences. So again, with me um, being here in the Lake of the Ozarks and deciding to go to church, and I should also mention that I went to, I've gone to two different churches down here. Um, and the first church, I lo- I liked the pastor a lot. But then when my significant other moved down here, we just kind of we didn't bounce around, but we kind of like looked around and we ended up at the church that we ended up. So in both aspects, like I 
likes both churches that I went to. And I even explained at the old church that I used to go to, like, because my pastor, that pastor had sat me down to you and wanted to get to know me a little bit better. And I explained the same thing that I explained to you guys. Like, I, I like coming to church, but I'm also like, I was hesitant on coming because I don't want to be the person that people comes up to and says, let me pray for you. I'm like, that, that's just not me. And so that pastor then understood it. Um, but I think one of the best, um, things that we have encountered at our church that we are now is that the, for the people that we know and our church is kind of big because we have three services and obviously like we try to get to know everybody, but you both probably should know it's hard to get to know everybody at a church because you only go to one service. So you're only involved in so much and you just don't have the time to get to know everybody. Um, but I will say this, like for the people that know that have gotten to know us and know us, they have been really um, open-minded and welcoming and very helpful in the sense of like, you know, they've learned that don't just assume that Rachel needs help. You come ask her first, you know, and so they're really good about, you know, that and things like that. And um, I have to kind of laugh because my, our Tim's boss's wife, I actually did go to a ladies night with her the other night for our church and she was picking me up and like, I've been attending going to her house now for a couple of months, whatever year. And, but Tim has always been there to like help me in because they have a step into their house. So he's always been there to help me and stuff. But this is like the first time that she and I were going like by ourselves. And she's like, she kind of like lost her train of thought and like forgot who she was talking to. Cause she like kind of freaked out. She's like, how am I supposed to help you? What am I supposed to do? And I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, I have been coming to your house for like over a year now, and you're worried about helping me get somewhere, which I understand, but it just kind of cracked me up. So I, I was like, well, my legs don't work. Let's start with that. <laughs> We've got the kind of relationship now where I can kind of smart off to her and be like that. And she knows I joke about it all the time. And she's like, well, yeah. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I was like, nothing. I was like, as long as I can get into your car, I will transfer myself, get my legs in, we'll be good. And then I'll teach you how to take my chair apart and put it in your car. She's like, okay. And <laughs> like, she's for as long as she's known me and know, you know, my significant other and I, and her husband knows us pretty well too. I'm like, I don't understand why she had a panic moment. <laughs> it's like because it was her first time just, just with you. Know, that's why right. she was like, "Oh." I mean, so those are awesome moments when you have people like that truly get to know you, but then also kind of forget like you've gotten to know these people, but they kind of still like freak out every once in a while because we're doing something different, and they feel like they have to like drop everything in the world to help you. And I'm like, no, that's not the case at all. You just have to be able to pull into my driveway. Watch me get in your car and then put my chair in the car. That's it. Well, is there anything else as we wrap up that you want to be sure to say? I know that we can link the Missouri Youth Leadership Forum stuff in here. And I know other states have forums, but it's just like their state. So it would be like, uh, where are you? Where are you, Josiah? Where do you live? Where do I live? <laughs> yeah. I live in Seattle. Where do you live, Tia? <laughs> I, 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 
Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> well, in, they may have one in Washington, but I, I haven't looked. Um, but there's this forum. So, because not everybody who will be listening lives in Missouri, so you can look to see if there's one in your state. All right. Do you have any last questions? You can tell it's like, because I'm literally like, <laughs> where? It's not, I, I didn't have a question. I just wanted to add like the whole, I feel like I was on other the other side of that story you shared, Rachel, with the whole, like, what am I supposed to do? Because I think Latia maybe intentionally did some stuff to me once. She's like, hold this, do that. I'm like, what do I do, though? But like, she just gave me her crutches one time and then handed me some other stuff. I'm like, so this is just my life now? Like, what do I do? I don't even know what I'm supposed to but I think it was potentially like on purpose just to see how I was going to react. Cause that's, just, <laughs> that's like, literally what I did to my friend in life group. Like she opened the car door for me and then she's like, now what? And I'm like, just hold my cell phone, hold this up, watch me transfer. <laughs> There's not much to it. Yeah. And I think I said, which is what I usually call my crutches. And you gave me that look just like, I was like, do you have my legs for me? <laughs> yeah. Like legs. what is happening? What am I supposed to do with this situation? Uh, like right out of the gate too. Like me and Latia, you know, we now got you pretty. Started it. What? Well, whatever. Our friendship, you know, it was pretty good from the start. Like didn't didn't even beat around the bush with stuff. It was like already joking about these are my good legs. These are my these are my depends on the day legs. I'm like, what are we talking about? What is this funny? Can I laugh at this? I just met you. Uh, but no, I would say, you know, last thoughts, and it's just a summary of what I've answered for you guys tonight is, you know, uh, to people that are listening and want to know more, just don't be afraid to come up to us and ask questions and get to know us as people, because that's truly just what we are. We're just people. We just have different abilities and we do life a little bit different, but that doesn't mean, you know, we don't have fun. Hopefully we've showed you tonight that we do have fun and we laugh and we giggle and you know, we make mistakes and we learn from them just like everybody else. So, thanks, Rachel. It's always fun to chat with you. And now you've <laughs> yeah. met Josiah. Okay. Nice to I'm meet you. I'm not going to turn life on for you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, y'all. Hope you had fun um, as we had a conversation with Rachel. Thanks for listening. Join us on the next episode. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Latia Frazier. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please be sure to rate, review, or subscribe and visit themillennialpastor.com for more podcasts like it.